welcome to What's Korean Cinema, episode 12 on the Hand of Destiny and JSA, Joint Security Area. Black and white, North or South, romance or political ideology, spies, sipper lighters, world's best photograph to end the movie, Korean cinema of 1954 and the new millennium. This is a kind of intro where I don't have anything snappy to set you up with, so I'll just mention words, things in the movies, sippers, actors. Moving, moving 24 frames. <laughs> uh, but uh, we are doing uh, classic Korean cinema and it continues the theme of something older Korean and something newer-ish. Uh, so we gathered up here to enjoy the benefits of free legal Korean movies on YouTube for half a show as we take a look at the 1954 romance spy melodrama The Hand of Destiny and a classic and a hit from right at the top of the millennium, which is Park Chan-wook's JSA Joint Security Area. And it's from 2000. And I'm Kenny B. With me is Hangul Celluloid's Paul Quinn. So say hi, buddy. Hello, everyone. And a surprise kind of late-breaking addition to the room. Uh, we have uh, not uh, Rufus Duran this time around. Uh, he's uh, enjoying life and uh, not uh, appearing on a third-rate uh, podcast uh, like uh, my uh, co-hosts are with me. But uh, with, me, with us also is the, the creator of the Podcast on Fire Network and the producer of both Podcast on Fire shows and What's Korean Cinema shows. And it's uh, Stuart Sutherland. Hello. Who will be kind of, um, because it's late-breaking, uh, he didn't have time to watch both movies. Uh, alternatively, didn't have any interest in the black-and-white decades-old movie, I don't know. But uh, he, he'll be <laughs> there and kind of chiming in whenever he likes, because he can. Because that's his God-given right. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's uh, it's kind of our theme. I mean, you, you've done like shows, uh, uh, what's Korean cinema shows on Park Chan-wook's movies mm-hmm. like uh, you did the whole vengeance trilogy therefore me and rufus and paul are not um well, well paul you were on that show um uh, the vengeance trilogy show i believe right yes there's yeah. that we yeah. in between I, moment i yeah, think i was a, a an extra feature well, you know mm-hmm. which is good career apart from the fact that i didn't know at that point what anybody else had said so i probably repeated everything but never mind <laughs> but yes i, I was think there. it was more or less uh, we all had notes and then saved up and just went to paul I was like what do these mean what does that mean <laughs> he's wearing yeah, red well, what does that mean politically like it's a red shirt still did oh. they really see the devil <laughs> well, you know, the, the, there's the question. You know, as long as I didn't say the word interesting, the word interesting's really annoying me at the minute. Everywhere I go, I see the word interesting. It's driving me nuts. But that's by the by. It's like a UK, like, uh, trending now, interesting. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's interesting. Is it? What does that mean? What does it mean? Has it overtaken from quirky? Ah! <laughs> anyway, carry on. I, I like both Thanks. words because I have a limited vocabulary, so don't, don't stab me in the balls just because I it's say It's the only way I could sub, like uh, describe like Korean rom-coms. Well, they are. If you take quirky away from me, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> my, you know, a discussion of my sassy girl is kind of dead in the water if you can't say quirky at any point. Well, mm. I have to say, that for, that, for that world cinema... South Korea thing, that book, they got me doing the rom-com thing, and mm-hmm. now everybody's like, oh, Paul, he's a rom-com guy, and I'm like, uh, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I'm the Korean fa- family guy, you know, fa- family values. Fa- family, women, no, no, but I can't get away from it, and I did the whole thing without using the word interesting. Mm-hmm. 
Right, just so on. you know. Anyway, carry on. It's like a thesaurus time at that point, you know what I mean? Just look up anything that means anything. interesting, you know, yeah. but, uh, without using it. But anyway, let's do some interesting contact information then. This is cool. What's Korean Cinema on the Podcast on Fire Network. Website for this and all the other shows uh, and the bonus episodes, podcastonfire.com. Email for feedback, podcastonfire at googlemail.com. Do we get any feedback, Stuart? Because you're in charge of that uh, account. <laughs> Rarely. Rarely. Which, which is a shame, but we do usually get the occasional line. Right on. From people interested in hopping on the show or uh, just, yeah, a lot of wrong numbers, let's just say only, that. It's uh, not like, um, feedback uh, ways to keep in touch with us, you know. We're on Facebook exactly. as well, and we have a page that you can like, facebook.com forward slash POF network. Uh, we post uh, updates on shows and news there, and uh, but the main... Uh, core discussion takes place in, in our Facebook group. It's linked mm. to on that page and you can also search Podcast on Fire Network in the Facebook search bar. That'll get you the group and uh, welcome in and join the fun. And we tweet at twitter.com forward slash podcast on fire. I write not uh, about Korean cinema at all, uh, really, on sogoodreviews.com and video reviews of mine are on sleazykvideo.com but what I do focus on are it's uh, Taiwanese movies, um, ninja exploitation, Captain Paste exploitation, really, and uh, the occasional Category 3 movie nowadays. So, uh, you know, I, I've finally done, like, some, you know, Category 3 reviews of movies that you expect me to, like, jump on quickly, but I, I, I simply don't do it. So I finally reviewed 3D Sex and Sin, uh, yeah. two years after the fact. But, you know, I'll, I'll do it at my own goddamn, you know, when I'm comfortable doing it, so... And uh, but but uh, I liked it. Uh, I thought it was very fun, and um, it was like um, category three cinema was way more fun in the nineties, and it could have been so forced, like them trying to capture the magic again. But they they did well. Didn't need to be in three D, obviously, and there's no three D sex scenes. It's just like the only close sexual thing in three D is a flying horse penis, which is not really sexual. It's just a flying horse penis that comes at you in three D. Well, that that's mm-hmm. quite sexual, really. Yeah, 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 it was hot. <laughs> so uh, I watched that finally, and stuff like 33D Invader. But um, so, so I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Uh, I tweet at twitter.com forward slash so good reviews and what's Korean cinema is on iTunes and leave a star rating. And if you have the time, a small written comment, a review. If you like the show, even dislike it, just leave a written uh, and honest grade of uh, what we're doing here. And stream us over at Stitcher, uh, Stitcher Radio. You can find that online. But the smoothest ways to download the application to your iPhone, iPad, or Android. Maybe it's on other smart devices by now. I actually stopped using Stitcher because um, um, uh, I, I, I finally grew to like the other, uh, like Apple's own podcast uh, app. But um, mm. so, uh, but, but uh, Stitcher is a great way to catch us if you don't want to download stuff to your device if you if it's stuffed with photographs and what have you. But uh, mine is uh, just uh, I just got music on mine and plenty of space. So there you go. Hangul celluloid, little sales pitch as usual and uh, any uh, notable things going on because uh, we're going to try and post this like a week after the recording. Uh, Paul, so uh, what's going on? Uh, pretty much. I'm Paul. I run HangulCelluloid.com. You can find me at the website. I'm on Facebook at facebook.com slash hangelcelluloid. On Twitter at twitter.com slash hangelcelluloid. Um, you can also find me in Unfolded magazine every couple of months, ranting randomly about some subject I or another. I the word uninteresting. It's uninteresting. Typey, yeah. typey, 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 typey. <laughs> that, that might be the next article. You never know. <laughs> um, as far as what's going on, 
2013 was was through the roof for me so after the korean film festival finished i sort of imploded and i've only just this morning put the first review of the year up on the site yeah, and I'm you not, were I'm not, for a good two weeks there but i hope you recovered and uh, i was uh, just done you know the way you get out of bed and you just even tireder than you were when you went and you just think I can't I just can't Mm -hmm. so I just for a couple of weeks I've just been putting excuses up saying it's coming it's coming Um, so organizing stuff stuff you know so (laughs) the new year starts here first reviews up this podcast coming out in a week or so so we're back up and running Um, keep an eye on the site there'll be a lot more over the next couple of weeks cool 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 Uh, right on a rundown first of the content coming up here and uh uh, because uh, we have a few segments, and each section or segment will have a uh, timestamp uh, uh, in the uh, show post and the iTunes description when it uh, starts and what have you. So if you want to jump, you know, straight to the JSA review or what have you, check out the running times in the show post or uh, the description. But what we will cover essentially is uh, we'll start with the hand of uh, destiny talk a little bit of its uh, director. There will be a biography and discussion of director Han Hyung Mo. And that is followed by our review and discussion of the film, mainly me and Paul's. But again, Stu will uh, chime in as much as he can and likes and uh, make things a bit more maybe funny than uh, me and Paul's like stoic and scholarly and boring uh, discussion of the film, you know, so. There's there comedy two jobs here. here. <laughs> yeah, li- 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 listen to podcast on fire for the uh, job reference, whatever. <laughs> Uh, but there will be a short uh, musical break after uh, the Hand of Destiny review and our second movie of the podcast JSA takes center stage at that point we'll talk and discuss director Park Chan-wook uh, first um, his um, his uh, biography and what have you and his uh, meaning in uh, Korean cinema there will be some notes on the real life uh, demilitarized zone the movie depicts uh, followed by a review and discussion of JSA and again if you want to skip ahead to any sections just follow the running times in the show post and podcast description right on let's kick it off the hand of destiny from 1954 and plot from the Korean film archive website Margaret, a.k.a. Jong-A, played by Joon In-ja, is a bar girl and a spy from North Korea. One day she helps out a college student named Shin Yong-chol, played by Lee Hyang, who has been accused of stealing. Uh, feeling an inexplicable attraction to uh, Yong-chol, she takes him home and gives him food and medical attention before sending him on his way. When she runs into him again at the docks where he has a job unloading cargo, she shows him a favor by buying him clothes and shoes and subtly uh, intimates her feelings for him. They enjoy a period of uh, happiness as lovers, but all the while Margaret is torn between her identity as a spy and her love for Yong Chol. So, very classic plot in that regard. Not uh, uniquely Korea, but at the same time, uniquely Korean, as we'll uh, discuss. Uh, Korean title, uh, if Rufus was here, he would have to pronounce that. I, I, I should never attempt those, but it literally means Hand of Destiny, the Korean title. It's also as, actually referred to as the Hand of Fate, including on the Kofa DVD release of the film that came out uh, so, sometime. Uh, I don't know how, how old that is. It's obviously on YouTube as well. And in the subtitles, it's referred to as the Hand of Fate. But as Rufus said, the closer meaning in Korean is destiny, but fate sounds better in the context of the film. And yeah. we picked Hand of Destiny because it's, if you look it up on Kofa's uh, website, that's the title they go by. So we, we can, we're steering them towards YouTube and therefore needs 
to kind of uh, keep it at destiny but it's not like it's the hand of uh, god versus the hand of destiny or anything but the words are very similar so. uh all righty uh i didn't know anything of this uh, director so it was a pleasure kind of um, getting um seeing uh, the uh, my first movie of his and uh there's a little bio on this director who uh, didn't have a large career, as uh, Paul will uh, also discuss uh, with me here. So uh, his name yep. is uh, Han Hyung-mo, uh, writer and producer of The Hand of Destiny. He studied art before entering the movie business. And when he did enter the movie business, it was an extension of his studies as he did the art work for his brother's friend, Choi in Kyo on the movie Homeless Angel from 1941. So, so I gotta stop there just to, to maybe put Paul on the spot. Do you know if he did, you know, when he did artwork on that early movie, did he did poster art or did he work as designer on the movie? No, it was actual art design in the movie. He wasn't named as anything bigger because he he hadn't learned his craft. But it was actually in the movie. It wasn't in terms of poster art. Um, right. From from what I can gather from his first step into university he was aiming to move into films and that that first film was his move in and that was homeless angel from 1941 yeah. and uh, han went on to employment at the dongbo film studios in japan uh, kind of through uh, said director Choi, you know and uh, maybe recommended or uh, just uh, said that go to that school it's a pretty good you know a tip a recommendation uh, and that's where he learned the film technique, and they gained skills as director of photography. So really, new art directing, director of photography, really learning his craft in many ways, and made his directing debut on the anti-communist film called Breaking the Wall in 1949. Um, I didn't say uh, prepare you for this, but uh, so I just uh, really put you on the spot. Do you know if that's um, is that movie in existence or lost? Breaking the Wall. Do you know that offhand, Paul? Pretty much lost as of this point. The the problem with this director, as it is with a lot of old stuff, is getting hold of their stuff is incredibly difficult. And until the Korean film archive put this up and Madam Freedom and Hooray for Freedom, which he was actually production designer of before he became a director. Um, if if they hadn't done that, you still wouldn't be able to see it. He's really he's shown at festivals. He's shown at retrospectives of Korean cinema throughout the ages. Um, but really, the only place you can find this stuff is on the Korean Film Archive or on the Korean Film Archive's DVD retrospectives. And uh, that was not his only propaganda film, if you will, because during the subsequent Korean War, which lasted between 1950 and 1953, he was actually in charge of making propaganda films for the military. Uh, but it uh, was at a time also where Han uh, continued to hone his craft, uh, for instance, in uh, photography and furthermore in directing. So, yeah, making propaganda films, but also, you know, uh, you know, key... Uh, yeah, yeah, literally honing your craft, you know, creating yeah. a skill. And maybe it was not work that was beneath him. I don't know if his uh, views of that time, if it was literally like really cheap, cheap shot, uh, uh, cheap shots at the opposites in those propaganda films, or if they were actual, you know, good stories. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, the Hand of Destiny it was released, you know, shortly after World War in 1954, and that was his second movie, <laughs> according to research, and really showcased Hans 
hand at incorporating several genres like melodrama, like the spy thriller into one. And uh, I, I, I guess this is a point where we stop uh, for a moment and just briefly talk of and kind of ask the basic question why and I have to ask, uh, ask you that Paul obviously why The Hand of Destiny why is it such an important milestone uh, uh, because I read a little on, beforehand on the internet there are notes saying that it was a new take at the time of uh, the story of a woman torn between these ideologies and love uh, it featured the first on-screen kiss and is noted totally. to be technically really sound. So, I mean, it's, uh, are those the basic kind of points where that makes it an important milestone or in your own words, uh, what, why is it so important? Pretty much. I mean, Hand of Destiny is a film of first, as you say, first screen kiss, which, from what I can gather, left audiences gasping with, with shock. Um, 1954, that's quite something. And, you know, considering, I guess, the first, the first real sexual imagery of a nipple or whatever was not until 1972 in Insect Woman. So, you know, this was way back. A screen kiss at this point was huge. Uh, um, as you said, it's the first Korean film that does the whole genre merging. And I don't know about you guys, but when I started to get into Korean film, all those years ago, the thing that hit me was it wasn't like U.S. film. It wasn't melodrama or rom-com or violence or it was a combination of any or all of the above. And this was the first film that did this. It's a war film. It's a love story. It's a melodrama. Uh, it sets the standard. On top of that, it's the first depiction of a woman in the way this this girl is she's got two personalities which allows them to push the forcefulness that just would they wouldn't have got away with any other way mm. it, it's just first 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 he's he's just he's pushed a barrel as he's gone along and throughout his career you know you take madam freedom a few years later hugely controversial because of of the same pushing the barriers and that's sort of where he comes from um, he's so important because without him, so many other things just wouldn't have happened or wouldn't have happened when they happened. Do you know if it was uh, common or not so common that the director would edit his own movie as well? Because that, that was one of the like notes connected to all the other notes that uh, Han was the editor on the film as well. Uh, do, do you know if that was um, common or uncommon? Really, really rare. I mean, when, when Han of Destiny came out, the Korean, they'd only just finished the war. The Korean film industry was just getting on its feet. Nobody knew really what they were doing. And he came in, he, he started directing. And in terms of that, it may not be perfect directing, like just nothing to hand or to Madam Freedom, but it's certainly got his style. And for him to go and then also edit it and do a great job, it's the rare thing. It's another, really another first. Mm -hmm. just everywhere you mention it first 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 and uh, subsequently he directed a number of uh, well considered and uh, acclaimed genre films and he established himself as a major director in the 50s uh, probably alongside you know Chin Sang Ok and what have you um, even though they were probably you know uh, making movies that were not uh, similar to each other necessarily uh, on Madame Freedom that followed The Hand of Destiny uh, if my research was correct and it might be incorrect it the controversy with Man of Freedom, uh, I got the impression that uh, 
the novel originally and obviously the on-screen story depicting Koreans embracing Western influence. Was that yeah. kind of the controversy go, uh, going on there? Pretty much, just like 50% of it. it. It's the whole thing of a, a, a woman, again, stepping out into the public eye as an independent woman who doesn't really adhere to anything and then goes and has affairs and embraces Western this, that and the other, indulges in luxury and eventually it, it all has to come crashing down because it can't be allowed, certainly in terms of Korean audiences. Um, it, it was hugely controversial as much on the terms of fields in Korean cinema stepping out of the position that they're actually allowed to be in, if you like. Mm. Um, at the well, end of the did, did, did government um, go as far as banning films with controversy, or it, you know, they released it, but you know, the ripples were... Well, I guess my question is, uh, did, did they flat out ban stuff that uh, were too uh, filled with social commentary and the controversy like this? Not at this point. I mean, the whole banning and huge censorship came in later as a result of people taking things even further and stepping beyond as the government became more and more politically based, I guess, mm -hmm. rather than just sitting on the out outside. Really, they let the things go at this at that point. Um, Madam Freedom, if there had been censorship, it would have been censored because it is, you know, now you can sit and go, whoa. Um, massively controversial on every level. And, and there are elements of it in Hand of Destiny as well. Yeah, certainly. Uh, it's, um, yeah, I, I, I can certainly see that. But I can, uh, it's a, thankfully a very clear film to new viewers and the Western viewers, which is, uh, you know, it uh, mixes familiar genres uh, while also being uh, very local in its uh, story obviously with a North Korean spy or what have you uh, but we'll, we'll get to that in a short while uh, further movies that uh, Han made uh, The Devil 1957 which I hope is a horror movie it might not be at all uh, A Female Boss the same year 1957 and, and his final film My Sister is a Hussy from 1961 and, and yeah uh, that is a short career it ended in 1961 eh? so he got a lot done and made impact in a short time and uh, uh, yeah. what I can't remember now is if he uh, was super old at that point and passed away or just never made a film again it's one of those it, cases. As, as far as I'm aware he just stopped making films um, I don't I think he died much much later uh, why he stopped is anybody's guess finding finding information on this stuff is nigh on impossible but he didn't it wasn't a case of he made a film then died and that was why his career was so short he, mm. he died much much later yeah it certainly happens with directors uh, they're doing something else they have a job on the side or doesn't have any intent or decide to mm. tell stories anymore I mean uh, I remember just a vague Hong Kong connection director Patrick Tam uh, made a few movies in the 80s like The Sword My Heart Is That Internal Rose that was in 1989, and then he didn't make a movie until 2006 again, which is this movie called After This, Our Exile, the Aaron Kwok movie that won so many awards. And he hasn't made a movie since. So he's, uh, I think he's teaching on the side, Patrick Tam, but really, that, that, that was a gap, you know, gap and a half. Uh, so uh, is it, um, alongside Hand of Destiny, would you 
point to any other standout works? I mean, what what is like the one movie you would recommend people going to after Madam, Destiny? Madam Freedom. Madam Freeman, Freedom is phenomenal. Um, if you're at all interested in depictions of women in Korea cinema, the dangers of westernization as, as it was seen back in those days, Madam Freedom. Um, female Boss also really, really well worth seeing again the whole strong woman thing and um you you in um who's in the hand of destiny is also in female boss so you know worth seeing just to link the actors as well um those are the ones i'd recommend if you happen to be on the korean film archive see if hooray for freedom's there i i meant to check earlier on and i forgot but i have a funny feeling it is he didn't direct it but he was he was production designer and uh or director of photography actually um really worth seeing as well because it's sort of the precursor to the whole lead up of westernization of women stepping forward mm-hmm. Cool, very cool. So the review of The Hand of Destiny, we start out with a brief opinion from uh, me and Paul, and I'll let Paul go first. Um, uh, I mean, he, he's, he's shown his hand already, I think, but uh, in short, uh, what do you think of Hand of Destiny, despite? This is a phenomenal film. Um, basic in some respects, but in terms of what it says about Korean cinema and what it leads to, unmissable. Um, We'll talk more as we go through about the the female character itself and and the war references and whatever. But please, please go on to the Korean film archives and watch this movie. Phenomenal. Good, good summary. Uh, me being a first-time viewer, really new to it. Very strong, elegantly told, simple to pick up kind of story. Uh, even if you don't know the South and North Korean conflict, you can pick up on that it's about divided loyalties, awakened emotions, and uh, it you know it might it might speak. L- you know, louder to local audiences, uh, but with the politics and the spy thread. But it's uh, it's very accessible, and I enjoyed it. It's uh, it's swift too, really moves fast. It's a 90-minute movie. You know, holy hell, Korea made 90 minutes movie. 90-minute movies once upon a time. Um, so uh, effectively told melodrama, thrill, a little bit of tragedy, romance. I really dug it. So um, a good pick for the show. Uh, and and when when I start the movie, I as I got, got most of my notes during any movies like first half because especially if I don't know of it and th- this one is the same you know because it opens with this shot of a, of a hand uh, a character holding a pipe in his hand and mm. uh, that 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 says a few things you know a few dangerous things I oh is this going to be a pretentious like art film with five minutes it takes or what have you or will it come full circle that because it's a mystery you know uh, it's about a character being obscured and we, that we don't see until the end of the movie. So it's one of those uh, kind of um, yeah. It, it does create interest uh, uh, quite quickly, uh, being uh, mysterious uh, that way. And uh, I think it's quite evident early on uh, that the movie is very technically sound. It's it's kind of elegantly shot. Uh, or what do you think, Paul? Yeah, very much so. And uh, that that point's proved by the fact no dialogue for the first yes. seven minutes it's just it's like a silent film and it's all down to visuals and music and you're just swept along and i only know it's seven minutes because after it finished i thought i'm just going to check and see what it was it wasn't it, it doesn't feel like 
the minutes. No, it's no. just it's beautifully done. It's just it's. And you, you it's, know that's a goddamn challenge and a half if you're gonna play with dialogue-free cinema that isn't pretentious art house of someone smoking for five minutes. You know, you know, he doesn't do that, Han. But uh, I like that it's uh, like a driving storytelling, despite you know, because we don't know if this female character is stalked, uh, if he's a murderer, the police that um, catches him, if if he's a peeper, or what have you, if it's you know uh, uh, the genre of uh, you know a murder mystery or, or a slasher thriller, you know. Uh, totally agree with you and on top of that within that seven minutes he's giving you little clues the whole way along the first time you see her going into her room she lights a cigarette and in terms of 1950s korean cinema that says you're a fallen woman you know so straight away she's she's not on the up and up she's not on the level and it's all without dialogue you don't know anything about it you don't know anything about the guy who's hanging around outside but you know she's not quite as wholesome as she or as she might appear to be yeah yeah it's it's it is intriguing and uh, you get the idea that she isn't necessarily a musician music major just because she writes mm. down notes on a piece of uh, uh, paper you know musical notes it, uh, you get kind of the sense that this is a message of some kind and indeed it is you I mean the spoiler the twist is not that she's a north korean spy uh, you find that out pretty soon in the film and and she is indeed sending coded messages on uh, uh, on pieces of um, musical sheet paper kind of thing uh, but 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 you know you, you she's she seems to be like sympathetic to this whatever he is you know if he's a bum if he's a, he's a wanderer uh, and and I like that mystery. It kept me involved. Like, where is she going with this guy? Because obviously I knew sure. nothing of the movie. And the, the only thing I did, I don't know if this is realistic or or I'm naive, but it's said that he's a, or he says anyway that he's a student. But this actor is clearly way into his thirties or even forties. So it's like student, right? Okay, okay. Yeah, it occurred to me as well. Actually, you just mm, okay, um, but. You just gotta let it go. It's yeah, just, yeah, of course. It, it, it's it's uh, what it is. It, it's they don't linger on that. I mean, it more he also does, you know, labor obviously and uh, get the odd jobs here and there. So it's uh, you you focus on that and it, it's nothing. But it's kind of like, huh? Well, <laughs> he was the best actor for the gig, you know. Even if they meant for him to be 18 when he wrote the script, I don't know, but. Uh, uh, there, there's a Flower in Hell uh, vibe here before Flower in Hell was even um, done, you know, because uh, she is a prostitute and she looks like this kind of femme fatale that uh, could and would manipulate just for her, her enjoyment. Uh, totally, yeah. So, uh, so I, I remember um, I really listened to the Flower in Hell episode and I was definitely reminded of uh, the connection to... Uh, th- there is a valid connection between the movies without Flower in Hell being... Uh, it's 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 definitely original in its own right, and uh, this is not a carbon copy of um, uh, Flower in Hell. is not a carbon copy of uh, what goes on in the Hand of Destiny, but uh, I, I, yeah. I like that kind of uh, uncertainty that you don't know if she's gonna mess him up, you know, emotionally or what have you. Uh, and even when he she like uh, makes him look respectable, you know, uh, I'm gonna give you a makeover, man. And you kind of you know, 30, 40 minutes in the movie, like why? And there's even a subtitle at one point, I think, that she says, like, playfully, ha, 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 you are now my prisoner. 
Yeah, exactly. And kind of go like, whoa, okay. And that's, that's after she goes into her room and locks the door, you yes. know. I mean, oh, perfect. So uh, it's really, uh, it's engaging, and uh, it's one of the fastest 90 minutes uh, I've watched lately. I get really antsy with movies, um, even 90-minute movies, but this was like, it's moving along, and it, it's starting to fall into place in a very intriguing way, because she, the first, like, crack of her cold exterior is when she gets angry that he has reverted back to doing manual labor after she's taken care of him. And you realize, like, huh, that seems real. That, that, that's a real sincere emotion. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so I am, um, yeah, I really, I really dig it. It's, um, well, what is this that, like, uh, say, well, well uh, the only thing I was kind of confused about because, um, it's hinted at that he's a soldier uh, and obviously she's working for the north so uh, but i i was a bit confused about that initially if he's a north korean soldier if he's a south korean soldier if he's a japanese soldier and uh, but that doesn't mean full confusion for the movie thankfully uh, it's a wonder like i'm not i'm not the expert on korean cinema here so those details sometimes gets me lost for a little bit but this movie certainly uh, never makes it difficult for you because it is a clear yeah. movie it's a it's a it's a world cinema audience kind of movie uh, you can show yeah. it to anyone uh, what do you think uh, how it um, merges genres you know because we're talking here like this uh, mysterious drama but then it starts to merge with spy melodrama and action so uh, what do you think how it merges uh, all of that I think it, it, it does it incredibly well on, on two levels. One, it actually merges them well. And two, some of the elements he can get away with because of the other elements. I mean, the fact that she's from the north, he's from the south, and they have a relationship. And, you know, at, at one point, you, I'm not going to give any spoilers away, but you're not sure of whether he's going to, what he's going to do in terms of how they shouldn't be together and it's that's so controversial so close to the war that the whole prostitute thing that would normally be the hugely controversial thing is almost just a sideline at one point hmm. he turns around and says you know what's wrong with being a prostitute and that's sort of that's the feeling and they get away with that because everybody's going, he's from the south, he's from the north, and they're yeah. together. Um, I love the way he uses the different genres to put levels on things to get away with more stuff. And I think that's a large reason why he gets away with that first screen kiss. You know, she's, she's two people. He, that in itself, her split personality, almost allows him to kiss John rather than Margaret. Um, yeah, yeah, because she, she's clearly, um, d d those are the divided characters. She has her Western yeah. name and her Korean name, and that, that, that is very literal uh, for the movie, too. Um, it, it's quite an, uh, I, I, I like the way that it uh, introduces, like, short but quite startling uh, countryside action because at one point we got a little shootout in the movie and this is a point where one of the characters finds out about the other and has to carry all of a sudden there's the like major emotions infused into the movie what am i gonna do <laughs> uh, 
and it's well made you know it's uh, it, it's actually it turns very melodramatic yes but it is very affecting it um it, it's uh, um, i was surprised that it seems so loud and theatrical uh but it is affecting it is dramatic you realize that the feelings uh, surrounding the movie and the characters they they were, they were kind of real in the first half of the movie you didn't know what was sincere and what wasn't and yeah. we, again we're not spoiling it it uh, by the end it is really real to me and um and 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 by the way uh, I, I love the black and white photography especially in this countryside outdoor um, obviously outdoor action scene uh, i think it's a very again elegantly shot black and white movie it's not flower in hell like rough gritty documentary style it is really elegantly shot totally and, and there's one scene in that little segment where our south koreans following a north korean and they do a, a, a camera view up the side of a mountain as he follows them and it's just you just look and think wow and it's just all black and white 1954 and it it looks so expansive it looks amazing um so you know visually that section worked for me as well and uh really i don't have too many notes uh, but i i wanted to ask you something because again i'm not good at deciphering politics and what have you so uh just a basic question does this uh, seem to you like a movie where critics have a valid point when they say this is propaganda or that is way too easy and maybe may the dismissal uh, a d- dismissal of the movie's uh, actual qualities i think that's pretty from my point of view i think it's rather a dismissal yeah it's got propaganda in it but what korean war movie doesn't have an element of propaganda they're all made by one side and sure. they all feature they all feature a northern person linking with the southern or finding humanity or finding love and deciding that the north isn't right for them etc etc um last year i interviewed a north korean defector who had watched endless war korean war movies to see what they were like and i said you know what do you think do you agree their take do you think they're realistic or are they just propaganda and he went they're 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 utterly propaganda they're not real they're fantasy i don't etc etc but that was coming from his place as a northerner so there's no there's no midpoint i i honestly think you take a film for what it is and yes there's always going to be propaganda because the north and south are still as tense as almost they ever have been um but within a story like that it's a story worth watching and it's a story worth investing in exactly because the only way i can really see that something is propaganda is when it's almost cartoony you know what i mean if it's 100 percent calling out weaknesses and claiming that we are strong they are weak <laughs> if they literally are immature about it ah i get that that's propaganda you know so the, the, i just see it as stories of the time you know it's uh, it's uh, it's um you know current it's uh, recognizable for the audience so it's not like they do uh, a force uh, out of it uh, and uh, m- making out uh, north korea to be uh, dumb you know <laughs> so but but that's my naive like really uneducated viewer and all i i, I think it's uh, it's a very well told drama thriller spy melodrama all in one and it uh, 
it works it, it totally works and uh, that's really the end of my personal notes you know uh, I firmly recommend it and uh, we haven't even mentioned where the first screen kiss is because uh, that's something you shouldn't mention Find no for you yourself <laughs> yeah uh, but and uh, I, guarantee, I, I guarantee you you'll expect it before it happens exactly our midpoint was like ah uh, ah uh, well wasn't it supposed to be there maybe it's cut but no it's mm-hmm. there. it is there it is there uh, so I'll, I'll give the floor to you Paul uh, whatever notes you have uh, from either beginning middle end of the movie go ahead buddy pretty much see um, it's first on every level you can mention and the fact that it really does put a female character into her more complex parts and allows a depiction of a woman and a man in love as well as an North Korean spy and a southern agent it's just it hits you on every level um, my favorite part is the final part of the film mm-hmm. but you're gonna have to watch the film to find out why yeah obviously the final uh, yeah yeah the final uh, kind of 10 20 minutes yeah uh, the big climax so there you go uh, it's uh, available the Korean Film Archive, Kofa, has uh, made the movie available to watch for free on YouTube with English subtitles. So don't feel bad for watching a movie on YouTube. You can. You're allowed to. They want you to. And uh, it was also part of the uh, Korean Film Archive collection on DVD that's uh, surely out of print now. Uh, uh, I know they did uh, English subtitle extras for some of these releases and really went all out to make them uh, Western friendly. Uh, mm. uh, I, I know uh, some of the other movies uh, I read up on uh, that we covered or uh, the other movies from the director, maybe uh, Madam Freedom, came with uh, s- subtitled interviews from professors and uh, scholars and what have you. So uh, good on Kofa for making it uh, accessible. Uh, back then when there was only DVDs and obviously now with the YouTube channel and what have you the packed YouTube channel uh, so I suppose that's it uh, North and South was the theme here North and South will be the theme after a break we will be talking of the very 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 known and classic in its own right JSA Joint Security Area after the break so we'll bring back uh, Stu literally uh, after after the break as well to, so he can give his thoughts on this classic so uh, sit tight for a few seconds and we'll be right back Welcome back, and now we're looking at JSA Joint Security Area from 2000, and plot from IMDb in the DMZ separating North and South Korea. Two North Korean soldiers have been killed, supposedly by one South Korean soldier. But the 11 bullets found uh, on the bodies, in the bodies, together with the five remaining bullets in the assassin's magazine clip, amount to 16 bullets for a gun that should normally hold 15 bullets. The investigating Swiss-Swedish team from the neutral counter is overseeing the DMZ, suspects that another unknown party was involved, all of which points to some sort of cover-up. The truth is much simpler and much more tragic. A procedural murder investigation and uh, something indeed very unexpected and very north and south. The Korean title, uh, not going to pronounce that, but uh, guess what it means? It's literally Joint Security Area. You know, so it's not like Chinese where you can't translate it to English because it will be 
literally maybe unconnected words korean language to me seems like it's very well uh, the, the intended titles in korean are they can be that in english as well without it being totally different it seems like that anyway the highest grossing korean movie at the time was this movie jsa nearly 2.5 million admissions a number that passed the prior record holder shiri it was a multiple award winner at uh, the grand bell awards including best film best actor i believe song kang ho was the recipient of that and it's a genuine classic and it's um, directed and co-written by old boys park chan wook uh, it's also based on the novel called dmz uh, which I suppose stands for Demilitarized Zone. It should be. Yeah. Uh, it was written by Park sang yeon who's also a screenwriter, uh, at least on one occasion. He wrote a movie called Frontline in 2001. Sounds war-ish. So, uh, do you know if that's a North-South themed movie as well, Frontline? It is indeed, and it's not very good. <laughs> is that conf- getting compared... Well, I'm aware of another Frontline film with a this one with Guan Donggan no Chin Ha Kyun for maybe two years ago yeah 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 that much later dif- well different subject just same title alright um, I just remember that uh, being 2001 yeah. I thought at the moment uh, so whether it's fair or not to call the end of the 90s and uh, for a good number of years onwards the that you know another new way will go to nature korean cinema i don't know if that's fair but certainly you know it's uh it's a movie that's part of my discovery of korean cinema that period always seemed to me like wow they're going from strength to strength there's no stopping them and one of the front runners uh, in terms of uh, filmmakers uh, making this uh, in this new wave uh, period golden age period was uh, park chan wook and uh, a little bit of background on uh, the guy born in 1963 in seoul studied the uh, philosophy at the Sogang university uh, but he fell more into cinema oriented thinking as he started a cinema club within the university called Sogan Film Community and he published articles on contemporary cinema as part of this uh, film club and uh, it was really apparently Alfred Hitchcock's uh, vertigo that changed Park from aspiring art critic or film critic to wanting to embark on a film marking path and uh, he worked himself up through the ranks as you normally start uh, as assistant director on in the film industry and he did he worked on Kwak Ye Jong's uh, movie watercolor painting in rainy day i think that's the title uh, Kwak Ye Jong is the director of my sassy girl this is a movie made before that uh, but park debuted as director with the moon is the sun's dream in 1992 and uh, it would actually take another five years before he made his second movie, and that movie was called The Trio. And in between, he supported himself as a film critic. So, uh, yeah, not necessarily, a, not necessarily, you know, a bum on the street who occasionally made movies. You know, he apparently could make a living. Uh, but the big commercial break, alas, came via JSA in 2000. And uh, after that, you know, he, Park achieved more freedom, therefore, to start developing what is now known as his Vengeance Trilogy, which uh, consists of Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, Old Boy, and Sympathy for Lady Vengeance. And obviously, the middle part, 2003's Old Boy, won great praise at the Cannes Film Festival, picked up the Grand Prix Award, and um, uh, as of uh, 2013, the movie was... Uh, I say finally because it was developed for so many years. Uh, uh, it was released in US remake form, directed by Spike Lee, and really didn't get 
at best medium a medium reviewed movie but um, it wasn't very liked and it disappeared quite uh, quickly um, i know you thought it was okay Stu, but uh, mm-hmm. paul have you seen old boy uh, by this point we don't know i've deliberately not seen spike lee's film um and i'm not gonna Everybody, everybody who knows me left instead of they me on the street and they're like, have you seen Old Boy yet? Like, I'm not, I, I, <laughs> it's I'm interesting. Not, I, I'm just not going to. It may be interesting, but no. Um, so I, I'm sort of half glad that people have said they didn't particularly like it because I don't think Old Boy should have been remade in the first place. Um, when it comes out in DVD, yeah, I may watch it just when I'm bored, but no <laughs> wait, wait till it's a pound uh, pound bargain being kind of thing maybe you'll pick it up reluctantly at that point yeah may- maybe so but i have no real interest you know as far as i'm concerned no yeah uh no, no me either and i'll explain uh, why in a little bit uh, little bit actually because it's connected to the korean original but uh, anyway uh, park moved on to something more comedic yeah with um in 2006 uh, with i'm a cyborg but that's okay uh, Park also went on to directly claim the vampire movie first in 2009 as has since made his US debut with uh, also a movie that divides critics and audiences right down the middle. There's no medium here. You either love it or hate it and it's the movie called Stoker. And it's uh, also publishes film criticism as far as I know still Park. So he, make, he makes movies and writes so uh, keeps keeps in, keeps himself busy. Do you want to see Stoker? Paul. <laughs> I've seen Stoker. What do you think? Hated it. <laughs> um, I, I've, I've thought about it a lot actually because a lot of British people I know actually quite liked it um, I assume if you look at it as an American movie it's okay if you look at it as a film made by a Korean director no, no, no I actually saw the film sitting next to a girl who was the film coordinator at the Korean Cultural Centre in London at the time and uh she she despised it, you know, from about halfway through, her arms crossed, and uh, <laughs> when it finished, she was just like, I only stayed because you were sitting here, and you just think, wow, so, yeah, you're right, very, very, you know, you either love it or you hate it, I, I just don't, no, sorry. <laughs> you saw it still, didn't you, because it played locally, didn't it? Uh, no, I never got a chance. I was planning on it, but uh, so I'm just waiting. Uh, I've just ordered a cop, like a rental. So once that comes through, I'll give it a watch. But I'm not gonna get myself all worked up to see it. I think. I mean, it's good that Korean directors, at least, I, I, I'm not super complaining about the fact that John Woo and Ringo Lam and Choi Hak all got Jean-Claude Van Damme vehicles, but I'm glad that that's not necessarily the thinking for all Korean directors, okay? Yeah. Kim Ji-Woon got an Arnold, Schwar- Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, uh, but I'm glad Park Chan-Wook at least got to make something that closer to maybe his uh, heart rather than we got this uh, action movie man and you're Korean and we can sell it to you here's a million dollars you know it, it's not like it didn't sell his soul and, and sold out necessarily with Stoker it didn't seem like that it's just that people didn't really like it and some people really liked it so mm. I don't know uh, I don't know what that says about the movie I'm always interested when movies like are completely like uh, have contrasting views like that uh, and I don't know anything about it I think it's a ghost story possibly but I don't know I literally don't know I, I think I'm gonna keep it that way actually and uh, maybe see it really cold you know going cold 
best way, I think. Hmm. Uh, but uh, okay, let's get let's you share your view on some Park Chan-wook. I mean, he's very popular. He is a critics divider partly. Uh, uh, so uh, I'll I'll talk a little bit about it. But uh, you you two obviously have clearly followed this new wave of Korean cinema, and Park Chan-wook is obviously something someone that uh, was so spoken about that you kind of automatically uh, want to see these hyped up movies. So. Uh, what 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 attracts you kind of to Park Chan Wook's films, Stuart, to kind of repeat some stuff from your podcast? Uh... Um, I think it, it was just like when I cottoned on to Old Boy when I was in college, and just how bizarre and and not interesting but intriguing. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And nice. Definitely. By the time I finished that one, and when looking online and discovering it was part of a trilogy, and like by the time I've caught myself up with that trilogy, I'd found out his earlier work, and then just kept my eyes out for like his later work. So uh, he always just continues to intrigue me. What What was it kind of like? Did you were you blown away by the fact that this is uber violent, or is or was it like? It was sort of like, I've never seen these types of films before. Right, right. Like, sure, you get, like, Fight Club and, um, like, weird science fiction films over here, like Matrix, and, like, sure, you've seen, you see films that you'd never normally see, and it was just strange, because at that point, I'm pretty sure... Uh, I, at that point it was really my main focus was Hong Kong cinema and Hong Kong cinema wasn't notably sh- like making any films like that at that point and I had basically just had to try Korean cinema just to see what all the fuss was about uh, certainly not a bad character filmmaker to start with you know you see, certainly you know one of the most impactful mm-hmm. filmmakers uh, that I know of, um, you know, alongside guys like Kim Ji Woon to an extent, I suppose, uh, and others I can't think of right now. But uh, uh, you know, in, in your words, Paul, what makes Park significant in terms of like putting Korean cinema on the map? Uh, what attracts you to the cinema of his that you like? Because I gather you don't like everything he does, but m- most of it I gather you like. I look at Park Chan Wook as as before and after, if you like. Um, his his new wave stuff, JSA, the Vengeance trilogy, even I'm a cyborg. Um, wonderful stuff. I love Thirst as well. Mm-hmm. As he's got more towards or more further in his career, and he's headed towards doing U.S. films, I can't help thinking that he's he started to aim his films at a much more at a world market, and I've liked them less. As I say, I hated Stoker. Um, oh. I loved his short film, Night Fishing. But was that his uh, iPhone movie? Yeah, and you know, the, possibly the best short film I've ever seen. Um, I, it's really a love-hate thing about New Wave. Parchan Wook, and he is so important for that. He was, he was, you know, old boy. They still talk about it now. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't hear so much about the event, uh, the Lady Avengers and Mr. Avengers films. It is old boy that is the uh, like uh, t- talking point mainly, which which happens. I know why. Uh, I mean, uh, where when hype gets a you know traction and uh, gets going, then certainly not all films are can be talking points at the same time. You know. Totally, and I think that's really a shame in 
terms of sympathy for Mr. Vengeance because I think it's the best of the Vengeance trilogy. It's certainly, it's certainly my favorite. Um, I can sort of understand it for sympathy for Lady Vengeance mm. um, because it was decent enough, but it wasn't anything to the other two. But yeah, with me, Park Chan-wick, love here. I love his old stuff. I like some of his newer stuff and I hate some of his new stuff as well. Still a filmmaker to follow with great interest, though. Massively, massively. What's he got in the pipeline next? Do you guys know? I haven't got a clue. No. Haven't heard, e- haven't heard anything since Stoker. Right, writing away, possibly. <laughs> I, I assume, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I kind of. I, I mean, I've not seen all of his movies, uh, uh, so, but I did. In, if I'm being honest, lost interest personally after Old Boy. I loved Sympathy with Mr. Vengeance. I love JSA, as we will discuss. Old Boy, to me, was this. Uh, half a good movie a uh, first half brilliant and I kind of tuned out I didn't hate it but I didn't find it uh, thrilling uh, uh, all the way through and Lady Vengeance totally left me befuddled I didn't understand the thing and I'm, I'm, the more I think of it I'm finding it hard to believe it's fair for me to slam it or not because I didn't get it I maybe it was too vague for me and I'm not sure that's a proper valid slam on the movie to make uh, but it was... I did not understand the thing, to be honest. Uh, I think I it think was it, about revenge. That was it. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it was it was overindulgent, but then Park chan kind of is a lot of the time. She was great in it. Mm-hmm. You know, she was phenomenal, and I love her, um, as we'll see when we talk about JSA, but... Um, oh, is this the same actress? Uh, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. I thought I recognized her. Yeah, good, good. Uh, his free extremes short I remember was fun, but it was not. It was not something that stuck with me. Um, the um, the short movie he did uh, that uh, uh, the, the second of the three movies. You know, and, mm-hmm. uh, but but I'm glad to say, I, you know, I, I think Hong Kong made the strongest short movies out of these uh, collections of uh, short movies from across Asia. Because um, uh, I like going home a lot from the first three and uh, dumplings, uh, fruit chance dumplings. I thought was uh, mm-hmm. great. Uh, but the, the <laughs> short in three extremes was good fun, you know, good freaky violent fun, but didn't make uh, much of an impact on me to be honest. Mm. Um, okay, uh, we have a little bit of a background on what this DMZ is, you know, and the JSA within it, you know, and it is the strip of land running across the Korean Peninsula that serves as a buffer zone between North and South Korea. Uh, the Korean arm, armis, Armistice agreement, agreement, I think that's how you pronounce it, but that agreement is the uh, agreement that ended the Korean War. It was signed on July 27, 1953, and was designed to ensure a complete uh, you know, uh, stop of hostilities and of all acts of armed force in Korea until a final peaceful settlement was achieved thing is, uh, no final peaceful settlement has been achieved yet. It's kind of still up in the air, apparently. And uh, it established that Korean demilitarized zone, which is, you know, a new border between the new nations that was created and uh, and a ceasefire was, in, was put into place, therefore. And uh, it is an agreement and uh, an order of ceasefire is there, obviously, but there's obviously still genuine hostility between the North and the South, which means uh, a large number of troops are still stationed along both sides. Uh, each side is guarding against potential aggression from the other side, and over the years there's been incidents galore. Uh, for instance, the axe murder incident, which is referenced in the film, which took place in 1976. And even though it does sound comedic, it is horrible. 
because it involved the attempted trimming of a poplar tree uh, and sites were crossed which resulted in two deaths of US soldiers and injuries to another four US soldiers and five South Korean soldiers you know uh, it's like they describe in the movie like the, the and a spark can set off set off major things you know and in that case axe murder incident involving you know a trimming of a tree set off you know a horrible incident and there have been loads of tiny little incidents just like that ever since. I mean, there was a thing around Independence Day. The South Koreans put balloons up across part of the DMZ. And it was nearly war again until they took them down because the North didn't want to look at them. So, you know, that, that tree thing and all the little things, you're right, it's just spark, spark, spark. Yeah, there's even been discoveries of uh, North Korean inf infiltration tunnels, uh, but uh, even documented events of South Korean infiltration, so it's not all North being a total bastard or anything. You know I mean, they're both at each other's necks and what have you. Uh, as, as late as October 2012, there was an incident of an 18-year-old North Korean army uh, private defected to South Korea. And uh, he was, you know, apparently not detected as he crossed the DMZ and had to knock on the barracks door to kind of draw attention <laughs> to himself. And uh, the soldier later told investigators the, he, that he had defected after killing two of his superiors. So it's, um, you know, it's still going on. You know, it's still um, yeah. it, much hasn't changed. You know, tense, tense, tense. Uh, <laughs> apparently, a DVD of the movie JSA was presented to North Korea's leader at the time, uh, Kim Jong Il, by South Korea's president uh, Ro Mo Hyun. Uh, was done during the Korean summit in 2007. I wonder how that went down. Hey, hey, you like movies? Here's JSA. Oh, I hate you. Uh, didn't create any fatal incident anyway, you know. <laughs> so, um, you know, uh, that story template, North versus South, you know, can uh, what are some notable examples of that other than, you know, Fate of Destiny and Welcome to Dong, McGall and what have you? Um, uh, so we start with you, Paul, um, because it is a template that is rife with cinematic possibilities as well. So, so what are, are some notable examples of North versus South in your mind? Uh, almost endless. Um, probably above all others, I'd recommend a film called Comrade. It's also known as Double Agent, and it's got Hang Suk Kyu, um, who's in Sherry, uh, as a North Korean agent sent to the South. And to, uh, he, he appears to defect, and you don't know if he's defecting or if he's still a North Korean agent. And he falls in love with a lady in the South, etc., etc. Phenomenal film. Um, stepping back a little bit, there's a film called North Korean Partisan and um, Brotherhood, which is your standard North South war movie, P possibly the best war movie ever made, in my opinion, um, about uh, South. Koreans, one brothers, one of whom ends up in the North Korean military, etc., etc. Um, they're endless. But and, and, and obviously, welcome to Dongmak. All is so wonderful. And obviously, it, it, it is mm -hmm. a comedy because that village, I believe, was the template was that they had no idea there was a North and South Korean conflict, and therefore yeah. super neutral. And man, is it a funny and emotional movie. And uh, I mean, I, I I love that you guys. Uh, I mean, mainly you too, because I think mm -hmm. you picked it. Introduced me to Welcome to, to Dongmakol, which is a brilliant movie. And uh, you know, to talk about cramming a lot of moods into one. Yeah, I mean, uh, you you laugh, you cry, and that's a cliche to say, but man, does it do it superbly well. I mean, it's a masterpiece. Mm -hmm. One of my all-time films, and I'm sure Stu agrees. 
Definitely. You can find it under a shitty retitle, uh, I think, Welcome to Doma, called like some Warzone number something. What was ah, it? Ah, it's like something like Battlefield 612. Yeah. Some really terrible <laughs> retail. And then in small print, literally saying it's actually called Welcome to Doma, called as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they hide it on the DVD cover. Like you read about, the, so. the one plus point, I don't know if it's the same for you where you are, can but if you nip to your average DVD store in London um, you find that battlefield thing it's one two quid you look for welcome to dawn we'll call it 1520 so wow. mm-hmm. you know go go buy the two quid one with the crappy cover um, it's the same film and it's Is that high? that's the only difference yeah well yeah uh, yeah f- f- thank we're not talking there uh, edited versions of it uh, either by studios or internationally uh, for international distribution. I think you were welcome you Dong Macol was the case of the Korean edit was the one that was seen all around the world while other movies are have international versions prepared in Korea for distribution but Welcome to Dong Macol was not this big commercial action movie so it was kept intact and it's deservedly so because uh, uh, I, I want it all to be seen you know uh, Every quirky aspect of it plays mm-hmm. well globally, you know. That's funny as fuck, that movie. Uh, but okay, uh, you do it. In short, uh, JSA, you know, I like or dislike before we go into into a more deeper discussion. What, what do you think? Of it? Uh, I definitely like it. was really one of these films by the end of it, you're just sitting slack jawed. Um, upon watching it for the, maybe the this must be maybe my fifth or sixth time now and it's strange I'm, I'm not sure if like definitely I have a lot more distractions in my life now so there was at points trying to settle a child last night when watching the movie but I wasn't taken as much by the ending on this particular viewing mm-hmm. maybe it could have just been my complete focus wasn't on the film but yeah, I, I think I mean if you've experienced like that emotional that hit during the first viewing, maybe second, mm. maybe third. I, I mean, I'm I'm sure it's it's gonna be watered down. It, it declines a little bit, but it doesn't mean that it's grown old. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And uh, uh, irrelevant, absolutely not. So I think that's a natural reaction because I I mean you didn't switch to man, this sucks now. It's not that you know you haven't mm-hmm. gone that far, so to say. But no, uh, there was definitely moments like particularly like music cues or certain scenes that I was waiting to come up. It was like I guess this could al- almost be nostalgia now from like original viewings, or just seeing like all these really great actors, uh, like man, I mean, almost a, have a it, great a time. It's a who's who kind of uh, at least in the male uh, acting department. Uh, mm-hmm. um, uh, we'll get back to you doing all that. Uh, Paul, short opinion for now, like or dislike of JC. I love JSA. Um, I watched it in preparation for this for, I guess, fourth fifth time again, um, but I haven't seen it for a good few years, and it really hit me again. Uh, the, the thing that hit me the most, the first few minutes with the owl and the, the lighting, the camera work, and you just think this is part-time work. I mean, it really is beautiful in parts, and it really screams of what he does subsequently um i adore the film and that ending yeah that the, uh, we, we won't still, spoil it but still, I'll, I'll, still does it still does it for me yeah exactly i i i say we don't spoil it but i, I just tease and say that uh, i don't know many other movies that ends on a photograph and does it so well 
Mm-hmm. So let's just keep it at that, you know. <laughs> uh, for me, a globally accessible masterpiece. And uh, I mean, I've seen it once before, but um, uh, I, I I loved it then as well. And it's it's inspiring, you know. It's uh, it's it's features characters that see finally kind of see themselves as we just got labels, you know. We got north and south labels, but if we get together then we might change something you know how how we're divided is nonsense essentially uh it's north and south even though it's in an infected conflict and uh, they do shape the foundation by being human in a very infected conflict and that is so inspiring to this day uh you know it's uh, it is a tragic movie so um the, you can sort of guess that it's not all happy sunshine um all throughout the movie you know it's based on it starts with the fact that it, a tragedy has occurred and then there's a flashback structure in, and what have you and i think it's not entirely possible that when all is said and done for park's career as a director whether it's in 20 years or 30 years or what have you this might still stand as his best movie i, w- prob- I wouldn't be surprised I, I probably agree with you yeah yeah because i think my it is my favorite movie of his uh, shortly Followed by sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, but again, I haven't seen a lot. Maybe first will hit me like a motherfucker, and I'll, that's my favorite movie. But I, ha- I haven't seen first. Uh, this was a successful movie, and therefore you need to have a commercial drive to your filmmaking. But the thing with uh, JSA is that it's such a layered story and an accessible frame that you it moves like a freight train, and you're with it all throughout the movie you know what i mean so i think that that's the art right there that if park hadn't clinched that by making you know a tough looking movie that as it turns out has a lot of emotions and tragedy underneath it if uh, if that hadn't been done and clinched audience that audiences i don't think would have flocked necessarily i mean there are the actors but surely there was a, a lore there that uh, man this, this is exciting this seems exciting you know uh, so what do you think in general there, Paul, uh, in terms of like making a commercial frame but making a deep story at the same time? Do you think Park achieves that well? I think he achieves it phenomenally well, and I think he does it by the use of Ijeonga's character as the Swiss investigator. She is phenomenal, and she's your archetypal strong Korean woman. Um, every time she's pulled to be shocked by one or other of the men she just stands up and takes it and almost puts them in their place she holds the story together she's what links all those layers and she's as park often does he uses one of his characters to hold the whole story to to follow them as they uncover everything that's how he does it and he does it phenomenally well what's uh, she a star at this point or is this a breakout role for uh no the this this was her second film she did one film before it and then she went on and did a load more she did her last film in 2005 and i miss her last um, what she did you do she did uh, married or she got married in 2009 and just said she had no plans to act she's got two kids now so but it's the same thing you know every one of them that retires you think please 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 come back she yeah. was she was phenomenal her last film was in fact sympathy for lady benjamin's wow yeah it, it's all a it's a clearly told movie i mean were, were you ever like uh confused at first viewing or fifth viewing is still about uh because the movie jumps back and forth so much or do you think it do you think it's like a super clearly told movie that you get 
the entire every beat of. You know. Um, I think you do kind of have it pretty much sussed uh, in the first viewing. Uh, really, you you get your your story from the south. You get the story uh, from the north, and then it, it it's sort of like that mishmash like how they think it's like pulp fiction where it's kind of told backwards mm -hmm. but then you get to see the proper ending or the proper conclusion at least but no it's definitely i think it's one that a uh, you just you feel you you could tell the light bulbs going off in your head mm -hmm. as certain cues hit in the film and it's it's like one of these things that you just like will probably just make you grin even wider like it's all coming together. Like you, the picture's getting clearer, almost. You get, you get so fucking jealous as well. Like, oh man, this filmmaker is. I want to be this good at, mm. at this, you know. And it's inspiring. I mean, keeping those threads together is not easy, and it mm. shouldn't be easy. And the man does do a good job of that. And I, I love that the movie is set up with. Uh, they describe again the the. Uh, 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 the conflict that's this uh, that it, a spark can set up like literally a forest fire in terms of uh, the conflict and uh, Park makes the movie like that you know she is met with resistance that uh, there's this uh, South Korean uh, superior of sorts that says even though she's neutral coming in as a Swiss uh, he says that you can't stay neutral in, in something like this you know and uh, there's really like even immature attitude it seems like because these South Korean superiors they have nothing but you know shit to say about North Korea there's no understanding at all it is that conflict that, like that man a good thing that they died though he, I think he even congratulates uh, one of the soldiers like he took some with him great you know we lost a, North Korea lost a few fantastic it's that it's that glee almost that's um you know, it, it is that conflict. It's not uh, cartoony for the sake of the movie, I think. I think it's uh, how they feel. Um, and it's a brutal movie. Uh, that brutal push doesn't... You see it in uh, the crime scene photographs. And then Park has no qualms about pushing for violence in this movie. And that those uh, flashes of violence, because we only get flashes of the story, not the full story, they are... You, they make you go whoa because uh, uh, yeah the blood the, the, this is a gory movie even though it's maybe one minute of gore man is it a gory movie mm. uh, it, it made it really made me go oh mm. no. um so what well, yeah, yeah I mean Park needed to be apt at telling two things here telling a procedural murder mystery well and telling a human story well yeah. and I, I'm so glad that uh, I, I'm so glad to be part of that murder investigation that's really engaging I, I like that genre I like a courtroom drama I like uh, you know when cops interrogating people and then what I didn't expect on the first viewing is what the flashback to what went on between these North and South mm. Korean soldiers to reveal so much warmth and humor and goofiness and humanity and uh uh, I've never felt uh, there's few examples where this is done smoothly, where Park can transfer into comedy. Because I don't, I don't know if I'm alone in that regard, but it is a very, very funny movie at points. It is very, mm -hmm. very laugh out loud in parts. Yeah, you know. especially that part where I think uh, Lee Byung Hun and uh, Song Kang Ho has been exchanging uh, letters because he throws a baseball across the uh, border, and then isn't it Shin Ha Kyun that says? 
that has sent a fake letter mm-hmm. to him and then when he arrives they just stand there and he's like holy shit he came i didn't expect yeah. him to come i mean i was just just messing around uh, uh, shin is this clown in the movie obviously he's so wide-eyed throughout the movie and so loud but man is he man is he wonderful he's obviously a younger character mm-hmm. uh, versus song kang ho's calm you know uh, superior to him and uh, uh so uh, what do you think Stuart? is this uh does it tickle you uh comedic wise this movie as well it does i it has it does have that sort of a uh, uh, part chan dark sense of humor like a uh, when one of the higher ranking generals of the north a uh, notices a uh, song kang ho and shin ha kyun a uh, when they're in the bunker and they've got the dog yeah. And they get like he 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 knocks down uh, Song Kang Ho and tells off Shin Hak Kyun and basically tells him take the dog down to the butcher. It's stew for tomorrow. <laughs> and, and she's like, wait, what? No. And it's just like he has those little dark, uh, like it is just his sense of humor, I guess. And even like, I mean, it starts in that first sequence where they meet where. Uh uh, Lee uh, stepped on the mine. I mean, that that is mm-hmm. a funny sequence because he's left uh, he's left alone there by his squad, and alone there like the dog and like literally, it he could say like he doesn't. Uh, Hello, mm-hmm. anybody there? Is low. He's fucked. You know. He, and then they meet. Uh, it is a comedic sequence, you know, because he's humiliated by the North Korean, but they don't start you know bad mouthing each other. You're like, who, who the fuck are you? Who the fuck are you? They mm-hmm. kind of like. Uh, it's a splendid meeting sequence you know what I mean Aye. I, lo- I love that scene for the fact that he tells them not to come any closer and they, and they, they just leaving. start walking off and he's like where, where, where are you going and they said well you told us to leave and he went I didn't I told you not to come any closer and he's standing on a mine bursting into tears so funny <laughs> he cries mm-hmm. I love that wide shot where the wind is uh, blowing in the field like he's really it's really desolate and he's so you know, uh, he's so left alone. I love, by the way, that they almost bury it. Uh, you can't hear it, uh, but the subtitles do catch it, obviously. They almost bury this crucial character development for Song Kang-ho. As he walks away after the disabling the mine, he says to Shin Ha-kyun that uh, don't live like that where you're just out to save yourself. Mm-hmm. That just says a lot about what we're going to know about Song Kang-ho's wonderfully warm character you yeah. would think he would be the bastard of this movie based on the way he looks yes but, but i haven't seen uh, uh, it's just a warm 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 character and funny mm-hmm. yeah they, that obviously they they become like kids they make friends you know like, like kids kids uh they don't have pre- preconceived notions of each other they can just walk up to each other hi want to be friends and it's kind yeah. of like that happens almost because they're so isolated from the conflict out there that uh, it's not they don't pull guns on each other the first time they see each other. Mm-hmm. They're kind of like, uh, right, let's see where this is going, and they they make friends. They don't judge each other, and uh, and and it's uh, from that that and the fake invite into the the North Korean side. It's mm-hmm. just the, the move. I don't want the movie to go back to the procedural because I like that warm friendship story so much. But it's obviously mm-hmm. it's welcome when it does. You know, each side, yeah. it's genre, it's mood, it's it's welcome, but. He could have made a two-hour flashback in my mind, and I think it would have been great as well. Um, what else is there to say? Um, well, the, you, 
early on in that relationship between them, I, uh, do, do you like like the tension between them that you they are joking, but you know Lee Byung Hun puts a gun at, at Song Kang Ho at one point just to show that he's fast with a gun. You know uh, that tension is very well played, where mm. violence could come out at that point, but it mm-hmm. never does. They, they, they still they never that, that, that's the most threatening moment between them. Otherwise. I mean, it's just joyous to watch them interact. Or, or what do you think, Stu, during that whole segment? Um, I, it, it obviously, it, it tries to just drum in that thought of remember that like, these guys shouldn't be friends. Mm-hmm. Like when, uh, obviously, Young Hun pulls the pistol out quickly and shows off what he thinks is his skill. And then uh, So Kang Ho talks about it, it doesn't matter how quick you pull out the gun and it's the experience of the person holding the gun and then he holds the rifle and you could tell Lee Byung Hun's like he is he's a young lad in this film really compared to Song Kang Ho who is clearly the veteran and it's gotten feelings that alright calm down I'm, I was just I was just pissing about it's cool we're, we're still friends okay and it does it, it does have these great tense moments because it is like they're they are just doing like what to us it looks like it's kids playing war in the garden but mm-hmm. what really is is like uh, how uh shin Kyun describes it as like all these decades of things and him crossing this line has like sparked this that and the next thing it's like they think they they've changed like they they've almost changed history or they've made history essentially yeah. But I'm glad that it's his character that says that, that really like verbally says that, and that it's said verbally at all. I mean, it's it's so affecting you. It, it, you can feel it despite being Westerners that they really have. They've made something that they might not be able to show to anyone, but no one's done what they've done, like bonded, mm-hmm. like human beings, and become friends like instantly. Because it's not a long sequence where like, hmm, maybe I should be friends, maybe I should not. It's like really instant too. Uh, so what do you think of the warmth in this sequence and I mean t- talk and praise Song Kang Ho if you will Paul I mean uh, what does he bring to to the movie in your mind and uh, why did he deserve the best actor award he just is the best actor I mean what career wise he was far further on than any of the others I mean Lee Byung Hun again second movie so he's he's a lot more up the ladder I guess but he's just so calm through the whole thing and so gently funny and I mean that through his whole career he's been able to do that funny without actually showing that he's being funny um, and it works like a, an absolute charm that gun sequence that Stu was talking about when Lee Byung Han shows how fast he is and Song Kang Ho is so calm when he just says it's not about speed and bang the rifles in Lee Byung Han's face it's just it's perfect um, he works so well with Park Chan Wook and he just deserves the best actor he's the best actor in it they're all great but he as far as male actors go you know fabulous I think someone on Facebook said I believe it was Stan Glick that you all always think that the current Song Kang Ho movie you're watching is his best because he's that good you know and when you move on to the next or move backwards to the one you've seen you think that's the best Song Kang Ho movie mm-hmm. that's a nice yes. nice 
nice statement actually that's fair point uh, and I obviously saw him in Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, and it was great to have this comedic side to him and uh, and a really warm side. I mean, he, I love that he's fascinated by the Zippo lighter, and here we're talking like something American mm-hmm. that they shouldn't be fascinated by. You know, normally it's like, kill those Yanks! You know, they have to say that in the open, but uh, like the Zippo lighter is like, whoa, mm-hmm. fantastic. The chocolate min pie. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I'm also glad if we go back to a slight technical uh, uh, aspect that Park is smart enough to give the movie this gloss, but it's not stylishly indulgent. There's no like shaky camera during the action sequence. You always know where you are and uh, the movie just looks good and feels steady. I mean, I'm, the Fincher comparison is kind of vague, but I kept thinking, thinking of David Fincher to an degree. I always like that David Fincher's movies are very glossy and... Uh, good looking but they're never like super aside from something like fight club that demands to be quite wild but otherwise it's so calm and clear and professional and not indulgent uh, if it doesn't need to be indulgent the action scenes could have been where park slipped but thankfully he doesn't the action scenes are meant to be chaotic but you know where you are and and And, that uh, i guess that in itself is part of why i like his later stuff less because he does become to my mind anyway more indulgent and he holds himself back a little bit in JSA it is beautiful in parts and flashback sequences he uses changes in colour tone to sort of subconsciously let you know where you are Mm -hmm. Um, but he does it to a really nice level you know this is part time work rather than a lot of his later stuff Um, and yeah we won't spoil it but we know from the beginning uh, that you know something happened between these characters and when you know in the uh, on the border and what have you and it makes you distressed when it all comes to a violent end and uh, but then the procedural kicks in again and you're you get the reconfirmation that park has got the procedural down it's very clear the dialogue is not uh, you know it's it's not this avalanche of stuff to keep track of you know mm. uh, and when the procedural is mixed, when you know a lot more of the friendship story, when it's mixed with that, it's really tough to watch because it's uh, it's not that make you cry tough to watch, but it is really tragic on a perfectly subtle like level. That man, it's a shame something had to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is uh, kind of um, the most heartbreaking choices obviously appear later in the film, and that is one when you realize that something did change that made it all go tits up essentially it, it was it was it got to like that pinnacle where it, it was almost amongst one of the happiest moments that the group had together and then all it took was for like a door to open and and like yeah. you're you 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 feel like it's sort of like just your heart gets ripped to like the the party's over and it's like you just kind of wished it just like they didn't need to have a door there no <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah you you wish they could get back to that game they play out in the field where I don't know what the mm. fucking game is where they try to stay on their feet while holding each other's arms or crap like that but mm-hmm. you know that's bonding bonding also includes farting at one point because Shina Kyun says I got a gift for you two guys and then he goes to get it and then he farts mm-hmm Guy, guys bonding, you know, it's perfect male bonding right there. <laughs> uh, 
uh, which is great. I, I, I love it. And uh, yeah, I, I suppose I don't really want to say anything else. Obviously, no spoilers, uh, li- listeners. Uh, uh, my question, kind of uh, like s- on the acting troupe. Yeah, I mean, uh, are, are they still all going strong? Song Kang Ho, Lee Byung Hun, Shin Ha Kyun. Are they still like, you know, picking great projects or? Uh, are they all still acting? I mean, uh, Shin Hakyun, I know uh, Lee Byung Hun obviously is in Western movies, but are, are they all still acting? All these films? Very much so. Very much so. Um, Song Kang Ho had a film out, what, last year, year before? Um, Tai Lang, you name it. He's got one coming out next year that I can't remember the name of. Um, Lee Byung Hun, constantly working in US films and. Korean stuff. He, he had he masqueraded out oh, yeah. last yeah, year. Yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's he's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And, you know, Shin Ha Kyun just done another film. Again, I can't remember what it's called. That's They're working actors. They're just yeah. they're constantly doing stuff. Um, as I say, especially Lee Byung Hun. But they're I, all I, they're I, all I felt in a minority that I liked both G.I. Joe, the first one, I haven't seen the second one, and I liked him in it. Uh, uh, I, agree, I agree with you. It's just it's entertaining. Yeah, I, have, yeah, I, I haven't I, seen I, the second he, one. I have to say, but his English was excellent. Uh, Lee Byung Hun. Uh, I think he practiced very well for GI Joe, but uh, uh, Shay, really was. I'm gonna do this again. I interviewed Lee Byung Hun in the I middle know, in, he, in the middle of last year, and out of all the interviews I've ever done. They've all been in Korean and translated with a few English here and there. He did the whole interview without an interpreter in English, and his English was as good as mine. Admittedly, mine's not that very, you know, not <laughs> a great, but um, phenomenal English language skills, and he understood every nuance of what I was saying. Um, and and not this like hunky super commercial actor obviously he's he's to my mind i mean i can only think of a, be- a bittersweet life now i'm sure that he's done tons of reference work but lee uh, seems you know he's uh, he, he he seemed to have a good head on his shoulder and want to challenge himself and um uh, i'm sure he's in campaigns and maybe commercials that you know have gotten that little impact as you know a hunky guy but obviously he, he he's got the acting goods he does, and he's also mm-hmm. one of the nicest human beings I have ever met. He's incredibly courteous, pleasant, polite. He's he's phenomenal. A really nice guy. And a fucking stud. And a, and a fucking stud. <laughs> you know. I'm chunky. It's, it's that whole thing. The end of the interview they say do you want to have a photograph taken with him and i was just like no no i don't know there is no way i'm gonna stand next to him in a photograph looking like no no so like, oh uh, look at the camera no i just can't take my eyes off him no no you're not gonna take that home and show it to leave me young Jung. no it's uh, not gonna I, happen I, I, I bet the bastard was tall as well just for, for the hell of it you know yeah sorry <laughs> sorry sorry yeah you know, so there you but go. you know, not to leave the guy out, uh, Kim Tai Wu, who plays Private Nam, a really key character, but it's wise not to spoil too much. Uh, but he's like the lower ranked mm, and yeah. the one that enters the friendship late. A uh, really good actor, and uh, is he um, a constant worker, very well known? Or um, I haven't seen him in any stuff for the last couple of years, but I assume he's still going. I haven't, I haven't read anything about his retirement or, you know, the fact that he's not specifically doing anything. Which you usually hear. 
yeah you sometimes have actors like that that are good working actors but they're not super noticeable all the time and not yeah. in in the in the public's eye all the time and what have you but re- really well cast all around i mean um even you know I, I think a german actor is playing the swedish captain but uh, listening to him as he spoke english uh, it really sounded more like it didn't sound like a german actor trying to speak english it really he really sounded more as some as a Swedish would sound when speaking good English, you know what I mean. Mm. Uh, I'm drawing that assumption because Herbert Ulrich sounds very German and mm. very plays the Captain okay. Passon, um, which is a supporting character and uh, obviously a part of uh, part of uh, the whole impact of the film. Uh, uh, so I mean, he is Westerners even in Korean movies. That's not a given thing that they're gonna confess sufficient. Mm. Uh, so, I mean, welcome to Don McCall is great. The American actor is at times quite shaky, but uh, he's part of a great movie, though. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I, really, I don't have any other notes. I mean, a mix of, you know, commercial frame, procedural, and this massively impactful, without being super melodramatic, friendship story that just inspires. You know, it's uh, this movie could travel, and it did travel. Uh, effectively, uh, I mean, uh, any country, whether they have a uh, conflict between borders or not, or you know, it, they would be able to relate to this, uh, uh, and that's an achievement that a North, uh, a South Korean movie can travel and be global in feeling and have an impact globally, and uh, funny and brutal and violent and heartbreaking and uh, such a key Korean movie, a, a movie that you can say if you want to watch a Korean movie. Uh, go for this one. Uh, it's a recommendation that uh, I would make in a heartbeat. So, uh, so that, that's the end of my notes. Uh, the floor is yours, guys. Do you want to share anything else too? Uh, anything uh, random from the movie? Um, some of the notes I'd put aside was it was just like some of the small moments in the film that really made me smile. Like when it was a so like Private Nam's introduction to the group. They done this sort of great thing when it it came to him crossing the line and the, the camera would just focused on the feet and it was then March and Lee Young hungs feet walk right across and then the other one stops and it's this thing where we almost start seeing the boots acting like you could see Private Nam's feet being quite timid it's like it's making a circle in the dirt and that Lee Young hungs feet are just like just kind of like seem almost excited to get across yeah. and it's just one of these strange little like lovely little touches where it could have just been following them but they just focused on the feet just marching like in formation and then across along the side of the bridge and when it gets to the line it just grinds to a halt it's kind of you wonder though that if these characters really really fought for themselves and that they firmly hated North Korea or if they were like victims of you know just having this crap imprinted in them and and finally, they were so isolated from those influences that they finally were able to take that step and think nothing of it eventually. That these are just labels. Why don't we be human with each other? They don't go over that in a movie that they're super like um, that they have a firm, like valid opinion of each other. It just seemed like they were not brainwashed, but it was imprinted. And obviously, when he stops at that line, that's a good mm-hmm. like point in terms of that. Like, but we don't go over there that's not what we do yeah yeah we do come on mm. cool. it's almost like another scene with them later on where there's like this shame where they're taking a group photo but it's got like almost like the ancestral paintings in the background 
and he's doing his best to try and edge the, those paintings out of the photo because there's all, maybe like the shame of getting the picture taken with these North Korean soldiers and it's maybe maybe it's just pictures of the dictators in the background and he's really trying to do his best like okay uh, could you guys just gather together a bit closer right I'm going to crouch down right there's no creepy paintings in the background now yeah yeah, yeah boot acting I mean uh, boot on, uh, that shows Park is a fantastic director you know when he, when he can make boot acting expressive and mean mm-hmm. uh, and say something about the whole movie and especially like, they do have good few lines of dialogue and like, it does get to the point where uh, these boots are actually talking to each other <laughs> These boots are made for talking, yeah. not just walking, mm-hmm. I suppose. <laughs> and even, like, just one of the moments that I just, like, had to laugh at was the, the spitting match. Like, where it is, like, they're back to their day jobs, we hate each other, we're both standing on opposite sides of the line. I'm just going to spit on your side of the line. And then he spits on his boot, and it gets to the point where, like, you just hear him going... <laughs> 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 Lee Byung-Hun's face of horror... <laughs> And that's super brave of them to do because they're really being open with their friendship at that point. Ah, there should you know, be guns it, getting <laughs> drawn at yeah, this like, point. Like, they're spitting yeah, on our incidents country. can start easy, uh, as history has shown, mm-hmm. then there would be not only axe murder incident, but spitting incident as well could be added to that list, you know. Um, and it's obviously out in the open because the tourists are there as well. And, and I love that moment where you don't know Song Kang-ho's character and the... Uh, Western tourist uh, cap blows over to the other side, and and it's like, oh my God, there's the evil North Korean. I expected all the generals to start shooting the hat. Yeah, exactly. Or tearing it up. Yankee scum. Exactly. But he he hands it over. You don't know Song Kang Ho. Obviously, Park doesn't play his card at that point. He does hand it over, but you 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 are intimidated, and uh, his uh, he he can do that as well, Song Kang Ho, and it's required on him to do uh, the contrasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Obviously, a very heartbreaking scene later where he, you know, celebrates Kim Jong-il, you know, that uh, major moment. Mm-hmm. I, I won't provide any more details. That's just, um, you know, what uh, that expression, uh, uh, you know, total devotion to your to your leader. Like, uh, wow. Uh, and they're, they're a cl- boot acting, mouth acting, you mm-hmm. know, <laughs> mouth and phlegm acting. Because uh, he, Song Kang Ho is spitting away like you read about in Close Up, celebrating Kim Jong Il. Mm-hmm. It sounds funny, but it's a really tough moment to watch. Mm-hmm. So it's not like nowadays where you just get Dennis Rodman singing Happy Birthday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. What's going on there? Yeah. Uh, right on. Uh, well, what about you, Paul? Any anything, uh, anything other delightful or heartbreaking or random from the movie you want? I'm going to just talk very, very generally. Every Korean film that deals with North South brings humanity and friendship and all that in. It all comes from this, you know. Just, just watch it and see Park Chan Wook when he was at his best, and see a war movie as it should be made with with humanity and friendship um phenomenal film mm. is his humor still present in a kind of honed way i mean his first very humorous for instance uh, yeah, it definitely does have some dark humor to it it really does and i you know i'm a fan of thirst i, I like him mm. open apart from anything else um 
his films still have a lot of humor they still they still work on on those levels I just I think he's pushing too much towards international markets I really do I think he's trying to make films that fit with the West and the whole reason we went to Korean cinema was because we got bored of the West mm-hmm. but you know that as I said that's just my opinion but anybody argues I'm going to say you're wrong <laughs> because you're not you're not tolerant of other people's opinions yeah. they're not interested no. No. oh do you you had to use it didn't you um, right. yeah you know I, his humour carries on um, it works like a charm in JSA I read it was a Ivan it was uh, planned uh, and conceived but maybe not completed but there, I read a 2010 piece or maybe earlier on that that there was or became a musical uh, adaptation of JSA uh, maybe it never came to fruition but I read that that they were gonna turn this into a musical now in Korea no you've you've uh, just you've brought out something I'm gonna have to go and search and have a look for uh, it didn't uh, come off as uh, as uh, I tried to search I think I mean I'm not the world's best Googler or anything but it seemed to me like it possibly never happened or maybe still being uh, in uh, you know workshopped or maybe planned or what have you I'm sure it could work I, I uh, think it really could I think that's a really <laughs> really intriguing idea yeah I don't know if uh, Korea have a huge musical uh, theater market or anything but uh, well, they, 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 they don't do too badly there's a few theater actors that, musical actors that have moved from Korea and are working in the West End as we speak um, Les Mis and whatever else so it could happen but what a great idea yeah, yeah. Uh, okay let's uh, talk a little bit about availability it's been no stranger to disc releases over the years so Jay say surprisingly it doesn't seem like it has a blu-ray release by now um, I I was gonna look in Japan because sometimes they come up with blu-ray releases before anyone else but uh, you can still get the US DVD uh, it's um, it isn't packed with extras or anything but uh, you can still get it new uh, possibly uh, used for cheap buck and uh, the UK one released by Tartan seems to still be in print they're still pressing it. still being pressed and Tartan as they are doing with a lot of their things they're really middle of releasing the black collection and they've done um, a Tale of Two Sisters and a couple of other Korean films and they're going to be doing the rest of them over the next what's the black collection it's just it's a new name they've got black covers essentially and they're all new blu-rays with all the extras that have been pulled in from everywhere um, and they'll be right. and they'll be doing JSA you know Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance etc etc um, right. over the next months and year I guess um, they seem to be hitting them quite quickly I think they've got two or three out so far um, so even if it's not on Blu-ray at the minute it will be in the UK within the next year or so yeah you know so. I mean the DVD looks fine but uh, it's uh, one of those you know, glossy movies that would benefit from a good Blu-ray mm. transfer and all of that so I mean uh, but by now it's uh, it's not like it, the elements are not uh, to be found or anything it's uh, it's not a rare movie and uh, it uh, should be well preserved so hopefully it will look good and all of that so uh, uh, that's really us for uh, this episode no titles announced for the next episode we do but um, either as a duo or a trio or uh, whoever joins but I wouldn't mind the current focus on 
you know, something decades ago vintage and something more recent connected or not. I mean, in this case, they do connect a little mm-hmm. bit with a north and south angle. Uh, I mentioned that uh, when we chatted off air and what have you, that I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I want to cover movies like Nowhere to Hide because that was my first Korean movie. Really, really, I was about to say another word that you don't like really offbeat movie i'm really i'm really glad i've got this psychological scar going on in your, your head now you won't you it's won't a, create it's a fabulous offbeat movie Success. funny movie Success. it's a movie <laughs> definitely an interesting tactic he's taking oh. with us <laughs> but uh, i i love nowhere to hide i mean it, it's not like this uh, movie Someone recommended it to me. To me, I was like, "Fine, I'll watch that." That's my first career movie. It might as well be a good start. It's not like the commercial, super known, old boy style, super hype movie. It's this really odd movie, stylish movie, and funny movie, yeah. and uh, I love it. I also want to cover Going by the Book because Rufus recommended it to us when we did the Castaway on the Moon episode because. Uh, uh, the actor Jong, uh, I don't remember the rest of his name, uh, appears in Castaway on the Moon. He's the lead. Yep. Also the lead in this wonderful movie called Going by the Book, uh, where he plays this uh, very strict by-the-book police officer. He is perfect in every way. They stage a um, training exercise uh, and he's um, where a bank robbery is supposed to take place. He's uh, asked to be the bank robber. And boy, is he good at being the bank robber. It turns out to a quite an epic scenario that uh, they didn't expect and it's a funny movie I really liked it and I because I did and I like him as an actor John uh, and the movie is not talked about at all really I mean I I never got the feeling that uh, that was that year's most hyped up Korean movie but man was it I thought it was great yeah really great agreed Uh, so uh, that's it. We will announce it uh, in the group and uh, over time and what have you. But uh, we'll have a brainstorming session in the wake of this episode being done. So hope you all enjoyed. This is a little bit of contact information again. This was What's Korean Cinema on the Podcast on Fire Network. Podcastonfire.com for all our shows. Podcastonfire at googlemail.com for the email feedback. Facebook feedback. Like our page. Facebook.com forward slash POF Network. Join the, join the group. Podcast on Fire Network. You can search that in the search bar on Facebook. Tweet us at twitter.com forward slash podcast on fire. My writing, so goodreviews.com. My video, reviewingslizkvideo.com. And my tweets at twitter.com forward slash so goodreviews. What's Korean cinema? Uh, it's on iTunes. Subscribe. Rate. What is it? Rate and rate and fillet? Yes. Is that what you say, Stu? <laughs> uh, write a comment and click the star rating. Not anything filthy. <laughs> Just <laughs> say what you like and don't do anything filthy. Uh, and uh, Stitcher you can stream us on as well if you don't like downloading podcasts to your device and uh, that application is available to your iPhone iPad or Android and you can also listen to us online on stitcher.com uh, stitcher.com and uh, plug away Paul Hangel Celluloid and uh, plug something coming up if you want to since you know this is coming out soon um, essentially I'm hangelcelluloid.com I'm on Facebook at facebook.com slash hangelcelluloid um, Twitter at twitter.com slash hangelcelluloid and a couple of interviews coming up in the next mm, month, six weeks uh, I'm not telling you what they are but you're just gonna, you're just gonna have to you know, go to the site, check it out um, yeah, some you're, some you're certainly, uh, some interesting stuff coming up, but I want to make sure it's a hundred percent confirmed before before I, I give any details away 
Although I'll I'll just get impatient and go on Facebook and <laughs> tell everybody in a couple of weeks. You know I'm going to do it. But um, for the time being, some interesting stuff. Hopefully, um, hope to see you there. Yeah, you have like this Korean actors bucket list. It seems like because you you've rubbed shoulders with the great, you know, Choi Min Sik, Lee Byung Hun. You know, next up is Song Kang Ho and Shin Ha Kyun. You know, probably this year for some reason. <laughs> you know, they they might come over to the UK for for. Well, you never know. Fingers, fingers crossed. I mean, I'm getting more confident that actually getting in touch with people and saying, "Hey," and they're they're being quite forthcoming. Although they all answer in Korean, which is another pain, because I've got to sit and work through individual letters to try and. Uh, um, but you know, I'm not going to complain about it. <laughs> Stand up! Like I don't accept this as a Westerner. I demand you. You know so. To learn the Queen's English, like, well, we're actors. You're like, <laughs> exactly. You're 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 emailing Korea, yeah, and you expect us to reply in English, do you? You know, um, so yeah. We might as well turn to the guy who always wants to ask uh, the question, "Why are you so awesome?" That would be. I'm I'm gonna have to ask that for you at some point. I still have on it. <laughs> that would be my opening question and uh, only question. Like, you are awesome. Why? It's the best question you can have. You're going to get a 20-minute interview out of that. Yeah, sure, sure. It, it's kind of sincere, in a way. Like, you know, oh, this is a man of the people. He wants to know why. Well, I'll tell you why. So, who knows? He might... Choi Min-chi can come for you. Um, <laughs> as this big, like, super theater actor engaged politically and uh, uh, in, you know, matters of cinema, what have you. I'm going to ask that question. <laughs> see what the reaction is. Yes. It will not be a rubbing shoulders. It will be like a you know an elbow to the to the face from him to me. Like, why did you not stop the old boy remake with a hammer? <laughs> that's a valid question, I suppose. Uh, but uh, that's a tale for the future, possibly. So, uh, uh, but uh, we'll sign you off. Uh, we'll be signing off now. And uh, I've been can be and with me was Paul Quinn uh, Stewart Sutherland. So, saying good night and thank you everybody and see you next see time. See ya. Goodbye. I don't do the too fucking long sign off anymore because uh, the movies I cover are usually not two hours. <laughs> you know, that changed, Stuart. You know, we cover two hour movies at the beginning of this series. Uh, for some reason, I managed to pick movies that are below two hours mm-hmm. by two minutes, <laughs> one minute, 30 seconds, or 10 minutes. So, so it's not too fucking <laughs> Just perfect. But uh, anyway, bye everybody. He did the sea, 젊은 날